0: Leonor Will Never Die took audiences by surprise this year at the Sundance Film Festival. This debut film came from the creative mind of director and screenwriter Martika Ramirez Escobar. Combining magical realism
1: and action reminiscent of the 80s, we meet Leonor, a once prominent name in the film industry who now finds herself struggling to make ends meet.
0: When attempting to work her way back into the film world, a TV falls on her head putting her in a coma when she has a dream in which she is the star of her own movie. Stay tuned for another episode of the Vulgar Geniuses Podcast.
1: Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzysbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code Genius to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Vulgar Geniuses podcast. We're your hosts. My name is Denny. And I am Veronica. And today we have, I always say it, but I'm a, it's true every single time. <laughs> we have a very special guest. And our very special guest today is none other than uh, film director Martika Ramirez Escobar. Uh, Martika Ramirez Escobar was born in Manila in 1992. Her love for the bazaar is best reflected through her films and photography. After graduating with honors from the University of the Philippines, her thesis, Stone Heart, competed at the 19th Busan International Film Festival and screened around the world. It also won Best Film at Cinemalaya. Her latest work, Quadrilaterals, premiered at the 9th DMZ Docs. She is currently working as a freelance director slash cinematographer for various production houses in Manila. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
2: Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited because it's like, I don't like go to, I don't do podcasts a lot. So I'm like excited for what's about to happen. Oh, well, we should do more podcasts.
0: This is a bomb movie. I was very (laughs) excited. I didn't even know. That there were that there was or uh, were, were like Filipino movies and Sundance. Veronica's obsessed with films. So she was the one that found you. Found her. Did I find her? You found her. Okay, let's let's go back. Rewind. Oh, we do this?
1: I found another film and we were looking at other stuff, but then she I, she must you must have Googled Filipino films for Sundance and your oh. yours and one other oh, popped really. up. And we saw your trailer and I was like, we've got to talk to her. We've got to make this happen.
0: And I, oh, that's probably true. Because I was like, I'm sure there's like, because we were, we were, we were trying to like um, make this art and literature festival here in Orlando, Florida, where we feature um, people of color as, you know, as creators, writers, um, or, you know, just like art makers and I guess when I was trying to, to to look for that your film came up and I'm like we have an entry in Sundance and I know there's not a lot of people that have been in this like like you know in this movie festival I think you're probably like the seventh or the eighth person or the second person oh like native Filipinos
2: There are other Filipino-American films, but second. Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Look at you making waves, making waves. Your your (laughs) film did a lot uh, this year at Sundance, and we cannot wait to have this conversation about it. So let's jump right on into it. Can you tell us how the story of Leonor Will Never Die,
2: uh, how it came about? It started like eight years ago. I was at this film workshop in the Philippines and I was talking to my friend and we, were, we noticed that the professors, our professors came to class looking as if they were action characters in the film. And that's just how they were in real life. They weren't like dressing up for any occasion. That's just how they were wearing like uh, leather belts and boots and with brushed up hair. So we just wondered like, what is it about action movies that influence us so much And at the same time, like in the Philippines, there was this action film trend in the past. So we had like around more than 300 action movies. And why aren't there any about this action grandma? So my friend were just like, oh, let's make a a film about an action grandma. And that's where it began. But that's not where it ended up. Because like it's uh, eight years of uh, like being a work in progress script. So it kept on changing. I guess it's, like, a perpetually changing script, too, until it eventually became, like, this film about a writer writing her own life.
0: What are the other things that changed from, like, eight years ago to, like, up to their presentation in, like, Sundance?
2: Uh, I think, like, everything meta were added in the, the meta meta, like, the third world was added, like, at around five years of writing the script. And then the intentions changed because I think, like, I was a different person before and I just wanted the idea of, like, having a, an action grandma. But I tried to dig deeper, like, what is it about the action grandma that I like? Because it needed to be more, I guess, meaningful. Because it started, like, just a gimmick, you know, when you're a young filmmaker and just want to make fun of, like, so many things and want to try so many things. So, yeah, that changed. I guess, it matured along with myself. So I'm
1: 29 now. So. How did you come <laughs> up with, the, with the, the general feel of it being like almost set in the 80s? It really gave me Chuck Norris vibes when, when watching it. How was it that you came to that conclusion of like, this is where the time frame that you wanted the movie to be set in?
2: Um, I wanted action because I think action was always there in the very beginning of the concept. Especially because our, our teachers would come to class looking like action stars. But really it's when I started to like dig again. It's in the Philippines we had like an action star get elected as our thirteenth president. So I guess like that's the genre that best describes the intention of the film. Like how films affect us as people. So yeah, when, when I chose like the action genre. I also chose the 70s and 80s genre because that's the genre when that uh, president like uh, became famous and that's also the genre and the era of the films I would often see replaying on PBS as a child. So most of the scenes are based from memory not even ex- I'm not sure like which films they are but they're all based on memory because in the Philippines like they would play like a lot of action films on tv
0: especially during afternoons yes or sundays yes when, like, no. when
2: everyone's cooking and fixing you just have the tv on
0: <laughs> when, every, when everybody's home and you just watch and, and everybody just watches the same action movie the the stars might be different but the plot is always the same <laughs> yes
2: the plot the locations the characters
0: it's always the same but yeah we love it true
1: What's the process in like submitting your film to sundance and how did you find out that your that your movie was was you know received
2: um, the process of submitting is, is I guess, interesting because we got rejected um, in a few festivals and I tried logging on Film Freeway just to check if there are any festivals that are open. And luckily, on the day I checked, it was the last day of the early bird deadline. Yeah. And I, I'm not like rich, so I was like, hey, we need to submit today. So I tried to like submit before the deadline ended and... That's the last time I, like, that's the last time, like, I remember working on the film. I tried to export for the early bird deadline, and then the next news I got was already a month later, which is an invitation. So it's, like, quite surreal, and when I got the invitation, I thought it was a rejection again. And I really didn't believe it, so I didn't read it. I just sent it to my producers I'm like hey can you check if it's real so yeah and they called me and they said oh it's real yay congrats to us so yeah that's the like odd journey so so far I, I mean like it's getting into Sundance was never even my dream because it sounded impossible so like that's like really my honest answer so like now that we got in and we got like a lot of kind words from the film I'm really happy because it's beyond a dream so it's but even right now talking to it still feels surreal because i never imagined this coming from a small film made with friends
0: but yeah. that but that's the best film though yeah it's like a, a a labor of love and and i think that's what made it so so much fun to watch because i think it's so relatable and i know veronica you, you the whole film is in tagalog so even and then sometimes you know if if they would like type or something or there's some words in English, but probably 98, 99% of the film is in Tagalog. But Veronica was laughing with me. She was like, Oh my God, this film is so good. And then my husband, my husband is Chinese, but he is born here. So, and he would just stop. Cause you know, guys like anything that like has the sound of like action. They're like, what is happening? <laughs> And then he's like, God, ah, this is so great. Because that's the thing. It reminds you of like, you know, the 70s and 80s, like action movies. That's like the 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 biggest movies, I guess, in that time, like probably in Asia, maybe even here.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because um, I, I know like just watching his reaction to the movie, it just made me feel good. Like, I know we picked a good one. If he was so invested in it, because you know other times he could just be like oh they're doing their thing let me go somewhere so i knew that you know we had chosen a really good movie and i know like you talked about feeling like this whole moment is surreal for you but it also feels surreal for us to be able to be talking to the director of this amazing prize-winning um film so we just have to say thank you again for coming and and talking with us about about this uh film
0: um you know like we're filipinos and when we were young i was told by my mom all the time that oh when you grow up you have to study hard so you have this like good paying job and you know it's all about the money this and that how was that conversation with your parents when you told them like oh i i wanted to be a filmmaker this is something that i want to do for for like the rest of my life um
2: i guess we have like we had the same conversation. My mom didn't want me to pursue the arts, especially the fact that I'm a freelance. She even would give me like job opening like ads like, hey, why don't you try this out? But I was stubborn. So I think it's my stubbornness. And I guess I needed to at least prove somehow that I I can do it. So I I do work as a camera operator, cinematographer. So I guess she sees me in shoots a lot. So I guess it gave her like comfort that maybe it's not so bad after all letting me do what I want to do and I think she eventually realized that allowing me to make films um, made me into like turned me into a person who was I guess passionate about what she does in, in life and I think that's important for a parent like to see that your child is like happy doing what she wants to do so yeah it's it just it's a long process but we we got there and now she's proud. So.
0: Yeah, I, I bet she is. Like you winning that Sundance, you know, award and just being into Sundance. That's that's a really big deal. Oh, and she's
2: in the film. She's uh, in the film set scene. She's the mother there. So She also likes the idea of me casting. <laughs> <So.
0: gasps> oh. Mom, mom's a movie star.
2: <laughs> you ever put her in your movie? Oh, she appears a lot in my films, especially like because I don't have budgets, so I just like ask her, "Hey, please act for me."
0: <laughs> Family, it's from your mom. <laughs> Actually, this cuz
2: he used to uh, make short films as well.
0: <laughs> that, that's that's where the talent came from. So, I you know, I guess good for them for letting you do 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 all of this pursuing your passion project and now now look at us
1: an array of art forms what was it about film that you gravitated towards than anything else that you could have chosen
2: I like the process of making films because I get to like learn more about people and the world a lot of times I think it's even what I enjoy more than the final product so I guess yeah that's what I enjoy the most about it I like, like meeting a lot of people and traveling to places, trying to solve things while writing. So it's just so therapeutic. And I guess it's like a way to organize my thoughts as a person who has a lot of things <laughs> in mm-hmm. my head. So Yeah, and I also like the idea that when you make a film, it's easy to share it around. Like when you watch with a lot of people, you can like, experience their energy and if they're happy or if they're laughing at the scene, you can like experience it all together so yeah it's a lot of things and it's always been like a childhood thing um I like uh using cameras when I was a little girl they would uh my my family would lend me their video camera and I was always fascinated with how you can like capture and pause and replay moments that are special so yeah I have a collection of like footage of my toys and pets so yeah I guess it's a childhood thing
1: how often do you have like stories playing in your mind of the next film that you want to
2: create? How often? I think it's like every day. It's like, like of my life. I believe so. Like when I wake up and I'm like, oh, films. And then before I sleep, oh, ideas.
1: <laughs>
2: I don't know. Maybe you can relate. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm like, what can I watch? What is there on TV? I literally just had a conversation with a friend of mine because especially when you watch them, not only just a movie, but a television show when it comes to an end and you're just, you feel so sad. Like I've invested all of these years in, in watching this series play out. What is their next? So I'm always looking for the next thing. So it's good that you're always thinking. So then that means that me, the consumer, will always have something to watch. <laughs>
0: Thank you. When you, were, when you were filming this, like did you have to film during the pandemic?
2: No, we were lucky. We just made it right before the pandemic. So it was 2019. We had 16 shoot days for the main leg. And then we had like a few like bit legs of the shoot. Because it was uh, like what I mentioned, it's a perpetually changing script. So even when we had the first cut, we still shot a few scenes mm-hmm. just to enrich everything was now knowing that I was just curious
1: because I thought that this film was shot during the entire you know pandemic at the start or whatever because of the scene of in the hospital where you see some people walking around with masks on so I in the hospital I'm like oh maybe they just incorporated the mask that you have to wear was it shot during was that part shot during
2: the pandemic or that was just something that just because it's a hospital not yet but the pandemic was about to start so some people were already wearing masks Ah. but it wasn't like bad yet so yeah yeah I was
1: just wondering I was like yeah it's a hospital scene it makes (laughs) sense to wear the mask but then it made I made me wonder like was this part done during the, the pandemic so it was good that you were able to film most because I'm sure I'm sure now that you're I'm with all the other projects that you're working on having to adjust your film process because of dealing with the pandemic. But it was good that you were
2: able to shoot everything prior. It's impossible to make this film while the pandemic's happening. like With the big crowds and right. the wide shots, like not going to happen. So we're lucky to we made it right before.
0: So it seems to an outsider, in order to make like money in the Philippine cinema industry, You know, you must stick to like the overplayed storylines or concepts or your your movie would be watched by the masses like artists like you who have created this film and seeing it on one of the world's most prestigious film festival. It's like giving me hope that maybe Filipinos might reconsider um, and would be more accepting of different genres and storylines presented to them. So like with that with that in mind, did you ever try to release your film in the Philippines first? And if so, did you encounter any difficulties in trying to release Leonore would never die in a broader Filipino market? Um
2: we have plans of releasing in the Philippines because I really made it for the Filipino people and I think they the story will resonate to them like differently and I think much closer to how I wanted to um I guess, make people think about, like, what's happening in the in society. But I think my producer and I decided to, like, pursue the international route first just so the film has buzz so that people will eventually, like, watch it in the philippines because i knew even when pitching this film this isn't a film that people will watch if i screen it in the philippines like we didn't have any of the you know formulaic blockbuster right. hit uh, factors and even when i was pitching around people would tell me oh this is too um i don't know like uh it appeals to a niche market or like it's hard to sell a film like this because even the genre, you can't fit it in a certain genre because it's a hybrid. So with, like after hearing that, my producer and I were like, maybe it's really hard to sell and market a film like this. So yeah, that's why we tried um, submitting first to festivals that could sort of at least give us like a reason why for people to to watch. Like if we get into Sundance, then I guess people would watch it because it wasn't Sundance. So yeah, I I hope things fall into place after and I, I feel that you know Sundance has given us such a great start because people are now like a lot more interested in our film than they would if we just like screamed <laughs> in a pop-up cinema somewhere here in the Philippines.
0: Yeah like I, I really I really hope that you know they that people would be like I guess more open to it because I think you are like you know it appeals to a broader set of audience but I think as a Filipino I understand what you're trying to tell me in that storyline that maybe other people won't have seen it you know like sometimes like the little quirks or even the tone and the language that was used or maybe some of the underlying themes you know of course if you critically study a film you might be able to pick it up but I think as a Filipino it just kind of like clicked and I think that I think that's the magic of of the film
2: I hope I hope like it it works, you know, because recently, like last December, we had the Metro Manila Film Festival. And uh it it did okay. Well, not so well, but it's really the comedies that people, you know, watch out and look out for in the romantic comedy specifically. So yeah, if it's <laughs> out there, like
0: it's, it's still hard. <laughs> yeah, I know it's very hard because it's like you know you have to have this like big star in this movie and it has to like appeal to this like like it's almost kind of like not not it's like how soap operas operate here I think in the United States so but I'm like I hope like in my heart the Philippines if you're listening please watch <laughs> Leonardo will never die because it's so good oh, and thanks. you know it's it's about your favorite uh, star Fernando Poe Jr. right? Yes. <laughs> so he, he was a prominent like movie star in the philippines and he was like Leonor's idol and favorite actor and he was like a well-regarded action star well he ran for presidency in the philippines in 2004 before his untimely death um and like you said we also had a president that was a previous like movie action star to me it was a satirical comment to the condition of how Filipinos see those actors turned politicians like as a superhero character that can save them from this undesirable present living condition was that like one of the themes that you wanted to like tell tell us specifically like Filipinos or like you said in the process it it has just changed into like a more deeper meaningful meaning for you that was
2: in the very beginning, like when I would pitch. I would pitch with the fact that we had an action star with no background in law and governance get elected as the president. Um, but I also don't think it's just for the Filipino like audience because I think it's a universal thing to have star-studded politics. Right. It happens like it just in the Philippines. And I used to think that it's because we see ourselves as people who need to be saved as a hero, by a hero. And I also think that it's because like we all want to be in a film with a happy ending, but life's not a movie in reality. And, you know, uh, these people are just stars on screen, but it doesn't mean that they are heroes in in real life. So I think it's also, uh, I guess, something I put so that people could reflect on it. And even Leonor herself is a person who's proof of that. Like she can take herself into a different world just by, you know, imagining.
1: Leonor's character, just the story in itself, it really spoke to me a lot about revision and what it is to go back and you know not only edit maybe the things that you have said and you you want to fix those things but maybe things that you might have been holding on to that you want to carry on can you speak a little bit more about the the revision part of the of the movie
2: like all all other factors of this film like it's all about how i sort of see life in different ways so Leonore revising her life is how I see life as this one big long film that we keep on revising and revising and writing until it's complete. I sincerely think that people function that way. Like they address their actions based on what they think is the next right decision. And it's going to be that way until it just, until our scripts just end. So I guess it's like a a result of like existential crisis Mm -hmm. But that was in the script early on as well. Mm. I think uh, about it a lot. What, what's the point? Why are we doing this? Can we change things?
0: Oh, I think about it every day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it, it really, you
1: know, it speaks to giving yourself that permission to say, you know, I was living this way or I was thinking this thought or I was doing this thing. And I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to switch it up and being okay with that. Um, but this film is it, it. It's one of those things where I would really want to go back and rewatch to see what else is there that's hidden that I didn't catch the first time because it's just so it's it's an onion. It's multi layered. It's got a lot of goodness in it. And and the ending, which really doesn't give away the story, but the ending. Uh, stood out the most to us. And so you ended in a very quick and interesting manner, which was mad meta, as we talked about <laughs> earlier. So what made you decide that this was how you wanted to end your film in a way where you now are stepping in and talking about the the editing process for your film?
2: Oh, um, the part where I like talked about the ending with my editor it's just like one of the last additions to the film because we needed a bridge for the actual ending which isn't a spoiler I guess but yeah you know the actual ending
1: mm-hmm.
2: so wait sorry what's the question So <laughs>
1: how, to, to how did you decide to to do that like insert yourself into this film that you are creating that is dealing with different universes
2: in it and all together okay So I think it stems from, like, Leonor not knowing how to end her film. And when we saw the cut, it didn't feel right. So we tried multiple endings, I think around four endings, and we still couldn't find the ending. So I decided to, like, record the conversation of myself and my editor, and that's what appears in the film. But I think the turning point is when we were editing, I saw the timeline, the premiere timeline of my editor, and I realized that, oh, wow, eight, of, eight years of work is just in this tiny monitor with a lot of cuts and a lot of, like, things you can't even understand in layers. And I'm like, hey, this is how I see life and how, I guess, our lives are in a, like, timeline form. So I asked him to screen record the monitor, and that's also what appears In the film, so I guess if Leonore has a crisis, we also had a crisis, and I guess we all have like (laughs) questions about how do we write our own films well, and that became the bridge to the ending because we really want, I guess, a joyful ending where all of our problems, regrets, and I mean, (laughs) you know, things should we want them solved before our scripts end. I guess. What
0: fascinated me about like this film is like how you think Mm. like you think in this like before meta was meta you were already there so I think that's why I think I don't know like i think this is why like this blows me away like when you talked about that because like you know maybe to you like it's so like plain and simple and like oh this is like what i see but sometimes when you explain it to us like it hits you differently mm-hmm. like we just had a moment here we're just like man what is it to be in the mind of martica escobar oh <laughs> we're talking about uh leonore miss sheila francisco the actress that played leonore um your action star grandmother Um, She was very effective in this role. How was it like working with her? And like, you know, we know that she's a very seasoned theater actress. I guess we wanted to know how you found her and like how did this relationship come about? How's it like? She's the best
2: ally one could ever have. Like she was with us pre-production until even Sundance and I'm sure even after. She's just such a joy to work with. And She's one of the last people who read for the for the role. Um, my producer saw her in a play, and they were like, "Hey, you should have her read." So when she read the script, I think my I guess um, what do you call it? Like the reason why I casted her and I felt that it was her is because she made Leonor feel human just by reading. She didn't even need to act. She just read and it felt right. So that's one of the factors of, of, I use when, when casting. If they read and if they feel like real people, I guess it's it's a fit. So it started there. But um, Tita Sheila, well, it's, it's a role that's not so easy for uh, a person her age and a, a genre that's not <laughs> very... A, a, a genre that's known for macho men. So we had a lot of time adjusting for, for that and, and I guess training and workshops but she did very well and I liked her to like maintain the lola or grandma vibe because this is an action film with a woman, an older woman as, as a lead. I didn't want the macho man hero uh character because I wanted um to make an action film with a different approach that's not just through violence and revenge and you know all those macho strong men things so yeah she I guess she did well.
1: She did amazing and it, it's a good idea to do that flip where you have the lead to be a, a, a female actress because you know it, especially with the time frame in which these this movie is so reminiscent of and to have it be a woman that is taking the lead and doing things a a totally different with an end with an ending that was unexpected I (laughs) think was just phenomenal Uh, so this is not your first film um, and we want to talk about two other ones one I was able to find I was able to find both of them, but I totally forgot to watch the other one before our interview. But the first one is um, Pusong... Um,
0: Pusong oh, but uh, <laughs>
1: It was the first film where you embedded a film within the main storylines, just like uh, Leonora Will Never Die. Um, where did you draw upon to uh, get this inspiration to create a story in this way where you have all of these different stories within a story playing out oh
2: no <laughs> i'll try to remember where it all began but i think i've always been interested in making films about films because um it's what i love the most so why not make films about the thing i love the most which is filmmaking so it started there um when i made made Bato. but really it it begins with the idea with curiosity so for that it's like what if we fell in love with non-living things like a rock and there's also the idea like what if we what if half of our lives are inside the film so i just think of like films all the time like what i mentioned earlier so it just naturally falls into the films into the scripts i write and the films i make
1: this will be like your signature take in your future films that come to have these different stories wrapped into one
2: i'm not sure yet because whenever i do it it's not like a conscious decision it's very natural so maybe if i i grow out of the obsession with meta films i hell i move on to other things to explore but so far i still like making movies with films in it
1: serious so, <clears throat> your short film, Living Things, seems to exist in the same universe as your film, Leonore, Will Never Die. Um, the usage of magical realism is very dominant in your work. And in Living Things, you have a couple that has been together for about 10 years, when one day the girlfriend wakes up to find that her partner has changed into a flat, car- cardboard-like version of himself. <laughs> This film was an exploration in how people can change over time. What would you say was the guiding message that you wanted to portray in that film about relationships?
2: Guiding message? It's the same message like I mentioned earlier. and It's that people change all the time. So for example, for this, for Leonore, I was a different person eight years ago. Very different to how I am now. So I just like, to remind people that we're constantly changing forever and that it, it needs a lot of work to stay in a relationship because it's two changing people together so it's I think it's also like about how not just people change but how relationships change and it's not just like a human to human relationship it's like a person to a place a person to the world and you know it's it, I think like it's all about the interconnectedness of everything and that it's
1: never just uh the same it changes an interesting fact and I'm hoping that is true that I that I've read was that that particular movie living things was all shot on a on a on a cell phone yes now was that intentional or was that just because you
2: you were using what was available to you at the time Um, I was very lucky like Huawei the phone brand approached four filmmakers from the Philippines and then I was one of those so they gave us a phone and a budget to make a film and it's the best ever because like we already have a phone we have budget which we never have so we made a film um, using the phone and its features so I wrote the script with that in mind so we can show off like their features like slow-mo and stuff. You can change lenses in
0: that phone. They have four lenses. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's... It's like you've given, you're given everything that you need, like a budget and a phone and something to shoot with. Shoot that film.
2: Uh, 2020, right before the pandemic. Okay. You're so lucky. I really like that one, too. <laughs>
0: I think, like what you were saying about earlier, about you know change and like you know people constantly change. I hope you you explore more this like meta type idea for films because I think this is where you truly shine. Um, and I think, cause I think your mind is is like built for this meta world and the, for this like meta concept that I think not a lot of people like can can comprehend. Like they can watch it, but like the making of it, I think is very. It's very complex, like more than more than just like, you know, oh, let me think about a story. I think it's like the layers of it is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. So I think Sundance recognized that. So we would want to congratulate you on becoming the first Filipina to win this very special jury prize for innovative spirit. <laughs> Directorial debut. So what does this this mean for you to be able to bring this you know bring this award to like the country besides you know the buzz that now oh my movie won an award we should watch y'all should watch it but I don't know I think that feeling is so nice to piggyback on that question
1: what is it to now be able to have that that little uh
2: like to put onto (laughs) your (laughs) to your movie (laughs) Uh, what, what does it mean? Well, to be honest, I, I feel like pressured because I know that along with the wind is a responsibility to make good use of it because it's very rare. Um, and we got recognized for many unlikely circumstances. So I'm a woman. It's my first film. It's an unconventional film. So I feel very lucky, but it's also the hard work of my very, very talented and incredible team. And now that we we have it, we have like the Laurel thing. I also know that I'm trying to find ways on how to make good use of it. Um, yeah, so let, let's let see it in the, in the coming years, but I know about um, the responsibility and I know it's not just for me as a filmmaker, but also a Filipina, uh, also as, uh, I guess, a citizen of the world, as a friend and as a human being. So yeah, it, it's going to be exciting what, what what I should like make out of this whole whole experience but well, pressure. If, I you,
1: <laughs> if I were you I would definitely go ahead and just get it tattooed on my wrist so that everybody you just hand them like here's my ID did you know that I was award-winning <laughs> film director <laughs> I need to grab some milk from the shelf. did you know it's right
2: there it's right there it's gonna add more pressure
0: I think about it,
2: to be honest like hey wow okay we've been given this what should I do now so yeah I'm trying to do whatever I can especially I, I like um, what I'm most happy about is when people reach out to me and it's when I see young filmmakers like how I was eight years ago uh, tell me that they, they like the film or that they find the film inspiring or our journey inspiring and yeah i'd like to sort of talk to more more people like that because i was one of them before i I wanted to give up many times in making this film because it's it's expensive it's hard it sounded impossible
0: but yeah you just need to find the right the
2: right people at the right time even if it's eight years
0: see that really goes to show like hard work if this is really like what you want to do, it it doesn't it doesn't come with, you know. We celebrate you now, the film, and all all of its glory. But that that goes to show that you know it, it's really a labor of love, and it's not just that it's it it's quite expensive, and I'm sure you know a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of like arguments with people, a lot of like you know hashing out ideas eight years is a lot it's like raising your own child so you finally saw your child (laughs) do well in, in the olympics of the filmmaking world so like you know i feel so much pride like seeing your film in this big you know in this big like like olympic filmmaking you know journey like the sundance um and you have represented the philippines um so well so graceful and you know so just giving of like you know talking to us and all of the other people that wanted to pick your brain about this um how has been the journey for you so far you know talking to maybe filipinos all over the globe or just you know maybe other also asian people around the world and they're they're really being appre- appreciative and you know very grateful that you as a filmmaker was able to do this, all of this in this year for Sundance? Um, I'm, I'm still overwhelmed
2: by everything. I never even expected people to watch the film in Sundance. Like, before the screening, I kept on posting on Facebook, hey, friends and relatives in the U.S., um, if ever you're bored, please watch our film. Because I was afraid that nobody would pick our film from, I mean, there's 84 titles in the festival, so it's really hard. But uh, what I'm happy about is that I've feel that the film has found the right people and through recommendations as well. And like, I guess how you found out about our film. So I think things fell into place. And again, I'm very lucky to have that. And now that we guess more people are, are reaching out and like inviting us to, to, to chat and even like maybe be partners in future films, it just feels like, a, I guess, a dream come true, <laughs> and uh, it has broken my perception that like difficult films can't have like support because it can. It just re- needs to find like the right people, <laughs> yeah. And, and Sonus is very good at that. I'm I'm really happy also with with how our programmers um thought of the film. They were like, "Hey, we." we we are people who have seen a lot of films and this film is definitely definitely um something far from the types of films they've seen so i'm happy that even if it's a weird film it has found an audience because <laughs> it's it's hard it's risky and it doesn't work all the time it worked now but i'm not sure for the next film you know so yeah it talked about finding
0: the
1: right people and i just was curious to how were you able to find the right producers to help with bring this project out to the world
2: that's that's very crucial because without my producers this film wouldn't be what it is and i'm sure we wouldn't be in sundance even Um, because my producers are two very good filmmakers in their own right like uh, they're two one is a documentary filmmaker, Monster Jimenez, and one is Mario Cornejo, who was also made like, I think, one two, two or three feature films. So they were like my film parents. They also are my consultants and everything. And they were in every step of the process. So it's not just myself. It's two other great filmmakers, you know, trying to solve the problems with me. And I found them because I used to work for Monsters Company as a Brainstorm team member. And I was referred to by one of the, the people in that company. She's like, hey, this young girl has a project. Why don't you um, check it out? And then she liked, they liked the script. And yeah, it's that's where our journey started. And that was 2015, I think. And what I like the most about them is that they care about the material. It doesn't matter to them if, if it would take us, like, years to, to make the film. They didn't feel that urgency to, um, I guess, finish the film soon and earn money. They were all for its art um, aspect and the craft of filmmaking, which is really rare and special. So, yeah, it, it's really... I mean, the right people also in, in producing the film. Uh, luckily, the entire team had the same mindset so I guess we just all jived. that's why we were able to come up with this, this film that's
1: perfect because you know one thing that we always talk about when we're talking to our a lot of times our authors that come on who have had a relationship with someone who's been in the industry and 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 they are being helped to be able to like guide them through you know, what it is and bring them into a, you know, a circle or whatever. And so, you know, this is, this is what it means to not have gatekeepers in the field that you are working in, that you have somebody who's willing to take you in and say, come with us and we're going to show you how to do it and then set you free. And then you go and you hopefully do it with the next person. So that, that, that's really important
2: but i don't want to do it with the next person i want i want them to be my producers forever but they have that mindset hey you're grown up now you can do it on your own
0: (laughs) (laughs) are there any plans for you know i know the philippines have different like lockdown restrictions any plans in the future that for this to be released in manila
2: yes definitely there's a plan and my dream is for it to screen in cinemas but cinemas now like instead of being happy while you're inside are quite sad because you know you're not allowed to um uh I think they have like a 50 percent or 30 percent maximum capacity and uh, no food and drinks and then seats are apart you can't sit beside each other so it like the the spirit of you know watching together as a community isn't there anymore but i'm quite hopeful that perhaps in five or six months things would get better so we're planning to release like mid-year or like last quarter of the year
0: yeah i i hope you do and let us know because all my friends are still in the philippines i've told them about your movie And they were like, oh my god, this is so cool. But I didn't think that they cannot watch it. It's only for the United States. They can't buy tickets and they yeah, it's a whole it's a whole thing. So they were very excited. They were like, Oh, you guys are so lucky that you can see films like this. And so they're they're very hopeful. So hopefully, you know, if this pandemonium pandemic, (laughs) Omicron Omarion would leave us. they would they would be able to see your film
2: has the cinemas are cinemas alive there very much it's
1: like the pandemic not even here it, we there what pandemic that's that's how people are now everything is open everything is open we go do everything
0: you don't have to wear a mask <laughs> oh. we, also, we also live in florida that's that's that this is a, this is a very different di- different and you, you. <laughs> Yeah. But I do have to say, you know,
1: one one thing that was good for us that came out of the pandemic was being able to have the opportunity to watch movies from Sundance because Sundance before it went to online screening was a very exclusive thing. You had to go there and be there in person. So I ain't got money to be flying all the way out to Utah. Like who doing that? People who have it. Not not the people who, you know, Uh
0: the (laughs) little Filipina girl (laughs) in Florida.
1: So to have that opportunity to watch your film and among other films um, in the comfort of our home, amongst all of this craziness uh, is is a treat. And we are so grateful. At the point of our conversation that we ask everybody the same question when they come on, it has altered. We've gone and done our revision <laughs> of mm-hmm. this question, but the question is: We want to know what are your top five favorite books and/or films. They they can it can be anything, but we want to know your top five uh, favorite books or films of all time. No pressure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I answer five films, just because like I'm a filmmaker, and the um, on- On the top of my head, these are... uh, My favorite film of all time is Harold and Maude. So that's definitely one out of the five. Uh, Gleaners and I by Agnes Varda. Persona, Bergman. um, Synecdoche, New York, Charlie Kaufman. And I guess... <laughs> Rebels of the Neon God by Chaiming Liang. Much sure. yes, <laughs> five, five films that popped in my brain, but I'm not sure if they really are the top five films. they yeah, the so far, top uh, five today
0: for for today. Any uh, any like Filipino um, movies that um, I guess people in the Philippines or around the world should like. Watch out for that, you know, that might be coming out soon that would be available to view besides your film in the world.
2: Would I have a regret now?
0: Like, why in the top
2: five, why didn't I include my favorite Filipino films? Probably because I was thinking maybe you you haven't seen those Filipino films. But can I revise the top five? Yes. <laughs> See, here we go. <laughs> okay. So there's Mababangong Bangungot by Kidlet Tahimik. Um, pagdating sa dulo, ni Bernal, Persona Bergman, and two more, Harold and Maude, Hal Ashby, Gleaners and I, Agnes Marta. Yay! See that? You did it. list Love <laughs> it. No, because I was really thinking maybe, maybe it was hard for you to access those other Filipino titles I didn't really include filipino titles but yeah your, your question is like which which filipino films should people
0: watch yeah, out for yeah if there are any upcoming filipino films that you think you know people around the world should see what do you think you know any suggestions now that we have seen your film i've seen two local films uh, in a cinema recently
2: well it's part of the metro Manila film fest and uh, what is by my friend it's called um, Whether the Weather is Fine by Carlo Manatad. It premiered in Locarno. And I think the film is still traveling. But it's also on, I think, on VOD in the Philippines right now. So if you have friends from the Philippines, please watch that film. And another one is, like, Big Night. I saw that also last December. It's uh, by June Lana. I think those are the two films I, I was really happy to have seen, like, recently. But upcoming films, I'm not sure yet who our other Batchmates are, like the films who are about to release.
0: Okay, we have some suggestions. Yeah,
1: that's. I think all of the ones that you gave us is a good uh, jumping point for us to dive in um, for several hours and, and just see with our eyes what you see that makes this movie, each movie, a really good movie to watch. So we have now come to the end of our time together. And, and I think we are, would be remiss if we don't say how much we are so grateful again for you to join us and talk about your beautiful, beautiful film. Um, we really hope that one day it will be picked up in the United States where everyone can go
0: and see it. Maybe you can come in Florida. You can stay in my house. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank, no you thank you so much, Martika. Uh Maraming Salamat. So and please do take care. I know things are still kind of weird everywhere. You know, please don't get sick. We need that mind of yours to make more meta films. Thank you.
2: <laughs> Salamat saying salamat's Salamat sa so opportunity. I love the chikahan. So should I start speaking in English again? I love the, <laughs> the vibe of our conversation because you seem very, like, friendly. It's like I'm talking to an old friend. So I really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much. You know, you can always reach out to us. We'll tag you and stuff that we see of your work. But, yeah, we appreciate your time. And you, I, we hope you have a good rest of your day over there because it's still the morning time
2: thank you same to you all the best thank you so much thank you Bye. bye
1: if you haven't heard about anchor by spotify it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place let us explain Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer.
0: When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place.
1: And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.